0: You guys are the friendliest bunch of people I've ever seen, including Joyce over there. Uh, It's so good to see you guys uh, this morning. My name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter, pastor of Grace Marriage. Welcome. Uh, I want to welcome all of our online audience, people that watch around the world and the country. I want to welcome you to COS. If you're here for the first time, I want to welcome you. If you've been a part of the Asbury Revival and you just floated into this place, we want to welcome you. Isn't God doing something great? Oh, man, I'm telling you, God is good. Um, I want to share something. I Carrie mentioned in the announcements I'm supposed to preach on grace marriage. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to talk to you about grace marriage. Uh, I'm going to uh, give you some information about it. But God sort of uh, gave us a little detour, just like he did this past weekend. I had the opportunity to go to New York City to do a marriage event uh, on a Friday night at the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church up there. And then... You always have to be on your toes when you're up there. They said, put together a marriage message. When I got up there, they said, oh, they can't wait to hear your story. So I had to to switch gears a little bit. And to my surprise and blessing, uh, this is a huge blessing. uh, They said, one of our associate affiliate churches in East Harlem, New York City, which is my neighborhood. I grew up in Spanish Harlem, uh, New York City, uptown Manhattan, very dangerous place. It's become a war zone since since COVID. And uh, matter of fact, three times they couldn't have services on Sunday, three separate times in the past two months, because the front of the church was a murder scene, a crime scene, where someone got killed, and they said, Bill, the pastor's not feeling well, why don't you fill in, uh, that this past, that's where I was last Sunday, and so I had to fill in, Nikki Cruz spoke there the week before, you know, the cross the switchblade, I said, if they made a movie out of that, if they made a movie in my life, it would be, you know, leave the gun, get the cannolis, you know. But I was supposed to speak on marriage all weekend, and that didn't turn out. But we have a ministry here called Grace Marriage, and it's a wonderful ministry. Uh, If you got your insert in your bulletin, take it out now if you can. Take it out. I want you to look at it while I'm talking to you. Uh, Grace Marriage meets on four Saturdays a year, Uh, just four Saturdays a year. March 4th is the first one. It's just a few weeks away, May 13th, August 19th, October 21st. Uh, There's a cost for the curriculum The curriculum hasn't lowered. We just lowered it to make it more affordable for you guys. Uh, We just want everyone to be a part of grace marriage. If you're married, uh, this is a great ministry. Now, listen, it's, it's not a ministry for those couples that are in trouble. It's a ministry to help you not get in trouble. It's to enrich, protect, and grow your marriage. Now, if you're a couple and you say, I'm good. I don't think I need grace marriage. Well, you may not need it, but another couple that needs to hear why you don't need it, which is why you need to be at grace marriage. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay, so listen, all of us have something to offer. And your best ministry may be getting with other couples and sharing God's goodness and God's greatness in community. It's a grace-filled community. We don't talk about a lot of heavy stuff. We, we read the lessons together. We fellowship together. It's four hours just four times a year for $150 for the whole year. All the dates are on there. You can register online. Uh, My brother Alan and Shirley are going to be out there. My wife will be out there at the end of the service. Uh, We'll help you get signed up. Or you just go to the website or you see this QR code on your bulletin. You can just put your phone on that and register online. Uh, But listen, anyone and everyone, you don't have to be a member of COS to be a part of Grace Marriage. We believe in marriages so much in this church that if the marriage does well, the family does well, and if the family does well, the church is going to do well. Amen? So listen, no matter where you are in this thing called marriage, uh, this is a ministry for you, and we just, put, we just put this ministry as one of the highest priorities over here because we believe so much in the ministry of marriage. And we want, to, we want to protect your marriage. We want to help you grow your marriage. And we want your marriage to be a testimony to other marriages. Amen? So the, the theme for Grace Marriage this year is your marriage was made for more. The theme of today's talk is your life was made for more. So the key to having the best life possible in this life, before we get to heaven, is to experience more or less of God. More? All right, I want to make sure that you're up. Did you get your coffee today? Do you think you need more time spent with God or less time spent with God? What about his grace? More or less? What about the word? More or less? Peace? Anybody need? Fruits of the Spirit? Anybody need more healing? More or less. Breakthroughs. Strongholds being pulled down. God's presence. God's power. More of Jesus in your heart. Need more? How about more of the Holy Spirit? How about more revival? How about more of the outpouring? How about more of the overflow? You answered correctly. You're doing well this morning. When I got saved... I spent about three years studying the Bible as a book of prayer. I searched every prayer in the Bible. I asked God to show me what was in that prayer, why he answered that prayer, and how I can pray those prayers, and how I can get the same results that the people from Genesis to Revelation uh, got. And I was amazed how the Bible came alive to me. I want to teach you something this morning called the prayer of more. I want to give you a prayer to pray out of scripture. It's it's not not a a man-made prayer. It's scripture that you can pray that probably is the most perfect prayer you can pray over your life that would line up as perfectly what the will of God is for your life. Not only for your life, but for your family, for your friends, for your children, for your neighbors, for your community, for your enemies. This is the best prayer i think someone can pray it's a prayer i believe that jesus wants to answer and it's a prayer that your father delights in answering more and if there was ever a prayer that that god would over answer it would be this prayer and that's why i like to call it the prayer of more so if you have your bibles with you turn to ephesians 3 i'm going to start at uh, verse 16 the prayer will be up on the screen and it's scripture and it's a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. And I, bre- I believe that this prayer is for us today. And I believe that the answer to this prayer is part of what's happening in Wilmore. And part of why we're getting the overflow. And part of, th- part of what's happening around the country as well too. So let me, let me pray it over you and read it over to you. We're going to open it up with this and then we're going to close our service with it as well. and long, and high, and deep, is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him, who is him, Holy Spirit, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Let me say that again. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more. Everybody say more, more. Than all we ask or imagine according to his power. That is at work within us. God will over answer your prayer according to the power that you allow to work within you. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Anything and everything that you'll ever need can come from God answering that prayer. Everything that you'll ever need in life. So here's what you're actually praying for when you break down that prayer line by line. First of all, everything that you need comes from his unlimited riches. In other words, whatever you need, God has it. God has whatever you need, but the key is you have to ask for it. You have to pray for it. And there's an unlimited supply. Of God's resources, of God's riches, of his provision, his favor, protection, healing, blessing. Whatever you need to live the life that he's called you to live comes from his unlimited resources. Not the world's, not your accomplishments. And then strength and power. Where? Through the Holy Spirit. Where? In your inner being. Because strength and transformation happen from the inside out, not from the outside in. Comes from the Holy Spirit being allowed to work in you. The next thing, and when that happens, Christ will dwell in your hearts. You'll have Christ in your heart that'll dwell through faith. And when that happens, then you'll get rooted and established in love. That's what having the heart of Christ will do for you. You'll be rooted and and so grounded in that love that you'll never doubt the love of God. You'll never doubt. God's favor and faithfulness that we just sang about. You'll never doubt that you are loved. That God, that God can never leave you nor forsake you. That nothing can ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And then power together in unity with the body of Christ. That's what's happening today. Because people have been getting together. Pastors have been getting together. A remnant of God's people in this part of the world have been getting together for years. Praying for the next great awakening and the next revival. And friends, it is here. It is here. Power together in unity with the body of Christ to grasp, watch this, how wide, long, high, and deep the love of Christ is and to grasp it in such a way that you'll get to a place where you'll know that that type of love is so great, so magnificent, So wonderful that your human mind cannot comprehend the magnitude of that love. That's how much God loves you. That's how powerful His love is. But that's not what you're. You're not just praying for that. You're also praying to get filled to the measure of Him, getting completely filled with all of God. That all whatever God has for you, that God wants to give you, and today. Whatever of God that you don't have in your life, you're going to leave with that part of God filled in your life, giving glory to God. That's what you're also praying for, praying with the faith that God will do more than what we ask for according to the power, the Holy Spirit that is at work within us. And here it is, the last thing, giving the Holy Spirit glory by letting him have his way in your life, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, young and old. That's why this prayer would be the perfect prayer to pray over your children, over your family, over yourself. Now, we're going to close with that prayer. and I think it was important for us to to talk about the prayer of more. Two huge eye-opening, chain-breaking, walking in freedom principles taught at Encounter every Friday night are two things. Believe and trust in what God has done and believe and receive what God will do. Now, what am I talking about with the first one? Believe in, and trust in what God has done. Well, that's anchor three that we teach at Encounter. Respond to the love of God by trusting in the finished work of Christ. Jesus finished and accomplished everything he set out to do, but he, he didn't leave us without help. Now, listen, the finished work of Christ is so important to study, to understand, Believe and receive in our lives. And here's why. If you don't understand and trust in the finished work of Christ, you'll never live the crucified life for Christ. And if you don't live the crucified life of Christ, you'll live the self life, which is living under the law. Now, listen, Jesus said, It is finished, paid in full. And I see so many Christians running around trying to do something that's already been done. And they wear themselves out trying to accomplish something that's already been finished. That's the combination of, not, of doing works with grace, not understanding all that Jesus has done for us. When we really truly understand all that he's done for us, the only natural response will be gratitude. And when gratitude overflows our heart and thankfulness... And we receive the grace that is upon us, that gets fueled by the Holy Spirit. But if we try and live our lives in, with our own effort and sort of keep God at bay and not trust in what he 's done but trust in what we can do and what God has done, sort of the combination of that it 's going to wind up it 's not going to be a pretty picture and that 's where a lot of Christians struggle they don 't know how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why the second principle is trust. The first one is trust in what God has done. The second one is trust in and receive what God will do through the power of his Holy Spirit. So the second one is, the first one is the finished work of Christ. The second one is let the Holy Spirit do the work for you. You know, the, the Christian church today is get saved and now do your best to behave. And who can do that? We just got baptized. We just said, we said, is it your desire to follow God and you know, live your life to, you know, to please him and everything that you say and do? And everyone says yes. They can't do that. No one could do that unless we have the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have to let the Holy Spirit do the work for us. That's why Anchor 4 that we teach is trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me. Now listen, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit being deposited in you And the Holy Spirit being empowered in you. There's a huge difference. And I'm going to talk about that all morning. Now, I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Galatians. Do you have your Bibles with you? I hope you do. And uh, listen, the book of Galatians is an important book. All the other books that the Apostle Paul wrote were typically really nice letters. A lot of joy in him, a lot of thankfulness. He was so grateful for all of his churches. But to the church in Galatia, he had, a, he had a beef with them. He had a problem with them. Matter of fact, he was really upset with them. And for good reason. It's sort of a letter of rebuke. And he's teed off. And Paul's essential. Here's Why? Paul's essential message of the gospel of, of grace that we're justified by faith rather than by human works was being denied by legalistic Jews who insisted that Christians must keep the Mosaic law. In simpler terms, legalistic Jews were promoting works and self to get you to heaven instead of grace and the Holy Spirit. We talk a lot about that. At grace marriage, whether you have a performance-based marriage or a grace-based marriage, or a performance-based life or a grace-based life. One is fueled by self, one is fueled by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about that in a few more minutes. There were false teachers infiltrating the church, sprinkling works with grace. They were abandoning the grace of God, not realizing by doing so they were abandoning the God of grace. And what made it even worse was by adding works with grace... They were abandoning the Holy Spirit. You'll see this in the scriptures that we talk about this morning. Not just the Holy Spirit of God, but the power of the Holy Spirit of God that he wants and desires to pour out on anyone and everyone who simply believes that it's available and then will ask for it. You see, live by the law, you forfeit the power of the Holy Spirit because it's fueled by self. Live by the Holy Spirit, you have all the power you need because it's fueled by grace. And if you experience the spirit-filled life, you'll experience grace in its purest form and you'll be changed from the inside out. There's no other life to live because there are two lives that people live, the self-life or the spirit-filled life. Some refer to it as living under grace or the law. See, the self-life is empowered by the law. You break one, you break them all. Who can live up to the standard of the law? No one could. And and if you're living under the law, combining your your works with grace, you're obeying from a place of obligation and not gratitude. And from that will come a boatload of guilt and condemnation because that's self-reliance, trusting in your works and power, which always leads to death because the wages of sin is death. And there's a way that seems right to man, but it always leads to death. And instead of living a life of faith, you're living a life of fear. Instead of Instead of being fueled with faith, which pleases God, and that type of life grieves the Holy Spirit. And the result is guilt and condemnation with a list of do's and don'ts. What I have to do today, what, I, what I'm supposed to do today. What I, you see, we do works. We combine works with grace not to get to heaven. We combine works with grace because we're going to heaven. See the difference? Out of gratitude, I'm going to obey. I'm going to pray and obey God. Not because I'm supposed to, because I'm grateful. And it's how I love Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And, but it has to come from a place of gratitude. And that's why Paul was so teed off when he wrote the book of Galatians. Another name for the self-life would be religion. Religion. But the spirit-filled life. Boy, Spirit-filled life. That's fueled by Grace. You obey from the place of gratitude because you're grateful for the finished work of Christ. The Holy Spirit does the work for you. Instead of death, it's a a life. It's the abundant life that Jesus Christ died for, full of faith that pleases God, that pleases the Holy Spirit. Instead of grieving the Holy Spirit, the result is living in the flow of the Spirit, therefore protected under the grace umbrella, which is why another name for the Spirit-filled life is relationship. Relationship. See, religion is spelled D-O. Relationship is spelled D-O-N-E. Done. I can spell this morning. Yes, I can. But the church was facing a theological crisis, and Paul doesn't waste a single word in getting to the heart of the matter. If you have your Bibles open, they'll be up on the screens. Galatians 1. Here's how he starts in verse 6. I'm astonished that you are quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Oh, another translation says, let that person be eternally condemned. He's really upset. As we have already said, so now I say it again. If anybody's preaching to you a gospel, then what you accept it, let that person be under God's curse. Now we're going to go through the entire book of Galatians this morning. Are you ready? I'm going to do it. It's going to be a miracle. You can say, I I witnessed a miracle. Go to chapter 3. I'm a speed reader, by the way. He says, you foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed as crucified. So Paul did an excellent job of laying a foundation for the finished work of Christ so they can live the crucified life of Christ empowered by grace and the Holy Spirit. He said, I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit that you're trying to finish by means of the flesh? Good luck with that. Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Mm. Fast forward to chapter five. He says, you were running a good race. We We got you started off good and somebody cut you off. Somebody snuck in and told you something different outside this book. Somebody told you something different than the foundation that I've laid out for you. And nobody knew better than Paul. Who cut you in and kept you from obeying the truth? Now, what's good about great leaders, if they're going to rebuke you, a great leader will always give you the answer of what to do after they tell you what you're doing is wrong. And that's what the Apostle Paul does in in chapter 5. Go to verse 16. So he says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do what's evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. You see this battle between law, the law and grace. But when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. That's just my personal testimony. That's me, and then some. That's what God has delivered me from. I don't know about you, but I've got got about 10 more paragraphs of things like that. But watch what the apostle Paul says. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living, notice it says living, that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the good news. You see, and I get this a lot. A lot of people come to me and say, I can't stop it. I can't control it. Well, you're wrong. As a measure of truth to that. You actually can't, but someone can. And that's the Holy Spirit. I can't, but you can. God, you're God, I'm not. And I was walking in New York City last weekend... And I was just looking down, and it was like, I've always known this, but it came to me as clear as day. This is the problem. This is the problem why so many people struggle. This is the problem with marriages. This is the problem with strongholds. This is the problem with addictions. This is the problem with fear. This is the problem with loneliness. This is the problem with insecurity, that people don't tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has everything that you'll ever need to solve any problem that you'll ever have. If you'll just ask him. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. When you understand the finished work of Christ, you'll crucify everything in your flesh and your old life to that cross. And the only thing that will come back to life is the resurrected Christ in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And since we are living by the Spirit... Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. In other words, let the Holy Spirit do the work for you. Fast forward. Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. The man reaps what he sows. Now, I always thought that this was just about sin and that's that... You reap what you sow later and greater, either a blessing or a curse later and greater, depending on how you obey God and submit it to his plans and purposes. I never looked at this as grieving and dishonoring the Holy Spirit and not letting the Holy Spirit leading and guide my life. Because he goes on to say, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction but whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. you know the blessing of God in your life is dependent upon you pleasing the Spirit from the Spirit? And I'm going to give you an opportunity to have the Spirit empower your life from this day moving forward so that every day of your life, you'll be in a position to please the Spirit from the Spirit. Amen? He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So listen, someone said, praise God, I just went through the whole book of Galatians. It was a miracle. That's the foundation. That's the life that we're called to live. That's a snapshot of what not to do and what to do and how to do it and the resources that are available for us. Now I want to switch gears a little bit because it's all going to connect somehow. And I want to switch gears and I want to take a few minutes to explain the transition of the ministry of Jesus's ministry here on earth. That he accomplished to when he left, that he handed off to the Holy Spirit. And he sort of handed off the stick like a relay runner does, went around the, went around the track and the Holy Spirit was waiting for him to hand off the baton. Jesus talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, better for you that I go. Unless I go, the Holy Spirit won't come. So there's a transition of Jesus' ministry here on earth, which I'm going to talk about. And then when he leaves, and then transition from him to the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit operates and how Jesus introduces everyone to the Holy Spirit. Now to do that, I want to share two verses with you. I want you to chew on them. I'm not going to teach into them, but I want you to look at them, and then we'll come back to them. The first one is in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It'll be up on the screen. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't miss that it's a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. catch that? He's talking about two baptisms there. John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Three, three verses later, verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. See, Jesus knew that in order to accomplish this, They were going to need a power greater than than themselves to accomplish this. Do you know what? In order for you to live the life that God's called you to live, you need a power greater than yourself to live that life. He says, you will be my witnesses. You will receive power. Power you don't possess to start the revolution of the church of Jesus Christ, which is still going strong. We exist today because a bunch of fumbling, stumbling Christians believed in the power of God and the power of God came on ordinary men and women to do extraordinary things. And we're here today because power came and changed the whole world. Do you have the power of God flowing in and through your life? Is it surging through your veins? Because here's what I see. I, you know, I've never seen so many songs about resurrection power people being raised from the dead, strongholds being pulled down, and so many people in the church of Jesus Christ hanging on by a thread. People who are saved, who don't know how they're going to get through Monday through Saturday, and crawl in here and say, God, I need you. I just need a word to get me through the rest of the week. Jesus Christ died and sent us his Holy Spirit so that we can live the abundant life that he died for full of victory above our pain, our shame, our strongholds. And anything the devil of this world throws at us because he gave us authority on top of that through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to walk in victory. But I don't see victory. I don't see deliverance. I'm not seeing the miracles. I'm not seeing the healings, the breakthroughs, people walking in authority, taking authority. Oh, we sing the songs. Oh, we're free free forever we're free come join the song of all the redeemed when death was arrested and my life began but on Monday we sing oh I drink I drink forever I drink and then I got arrested (laughs) and my life began don't you wake up asking the question is there something more to this thing called life God I need more of you in my life today I need less of me, more of you. I want to learn how to pray the prayer of more. I said this two weeks ago at Encounter. I said, anybody ready for a Holy Spirit invasion? A great awakening? Ready for revival to break out in the church? Well, people, it's here. It is here. It's not just at Asbury. It's here we get the overflow. It's spreading all over the country. You know what revival is? Revival is When people say, enough of this world. I need all of Jesus and I want it to be the real thing. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was so excited. I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs for Jesus Christ. I didn't know what I was doing. All I know is I needed to tell the whole wide world, that's what's happening in Wilmore. It has to happen in you first. And I got news for you. This thing that's breaking out, is not just for the young adults. It's for everybody. Do you have that power working in you? Look at that, how that prayer closes at the end. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And power in the Greek is simply translated dunamis. Everyone say dunamis. The word refers to strength, power, or ability. It's the root word of our English words dynamite, dynamo, and dynamic. All nicknames for my wife, (laughs) Carolyn. My sweetheart. The word power is used close to 120 times in the New Testament. Power. 120 times. 10 times in the book of Acts. The word love is used over 100 times in the four Gospels. The word love is not mentioned a single time in the book of Acts. 56 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned just in the book of Acts. The entire book of Acts is about the power of the Holy Spirit. How the power of the Holy Spirit came upon ordinary men and women. And because of that dunamis power, they did... Extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. So let me transition to one more place. How do you get all of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you? How do you get all of the Holy Spirit? How do you activate the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that now lives inside of you? So that every day that you wake up, you'll just say, boom, there goes the dynamite. Say that. Everyone say, boom. There goes the dynamite. I was in California, and I was a pastor in California. I love going out on the golf courses and witnessing the people. You see crazy people in California. That's why California is the only, the only state with two books in the Bible written about it, first California, second California. It's crazy. So I'm out there one time playing with three guys I don't even know, and one guy who's, like, really built, he's buffed up. He gets on the tee box, on the first tee box. He's got his driver out, which is the longest club that hits the ball the farthest. He gets up there, and he's real, he's just arrogant. He gets up on the tee box, and he, he's up there, and he's strutting his stuff, and he gets up there. You know, he's doing his little thing there. And, and when he swang the club, every time that driver hit the ball, just at that at impact, just like that, just there, he would yell out, Boom! There goes the dynamite, and he'd look at his ball and he would go, and then he starts strutting like this. I'm thinking to the two guys I'm playing. You know this guy? No, we don't know that guy. He's crazy. You know, and every he did it on every hole. boom! There goes the dynamite. Just walking around, strutting. I thought it's a You know, I'm not in the spirit. I'm acting in the flesh, and I'm thinking. Usually I witness the people on the golf. I'm not witnessing to this guy. I got so aggravated. I got, when we made the turn, got up to the 10th hole, I got on that tee box. I said, I'll show him. I get on there and I got my driver out and I pulled that thing back. I went, boom, there goes the dynamite. Drove it by him like 50 yards. And I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Terrible job at witnessing because I was in the flesh. I don't even, I I don't even think I mentioned Jesus that day. I tell that story. I actually shared that Paul Westfall, a good friend of mine, NBA legend, when he was recovering and struggling with brain cancer before he passed away. He loved that story and his family wanted me to share the gospel at his memorial service and Charles Barkley had to speak before I, I spoke, who's a horrible golfer. And I had golf balls made up that said, boom, there goes the dynamite. And I gave it to Charles Parkley. I said, Charles, don't lose these balls. But every day we, we, wake, we wake up, we should say, boom, there goes the dynamite when we ask for a refill of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So listen. The ministry of Jesus on earth, before he passed away, you look at John 13, 14, 15. And 16, John 13, Jesus is revealing his love to them. The Bible says he showed them the full extent of his love. He's laying a foundation of love and how they are to say goodbye to him, but hello to the Holy Spirit. And he spends three chapters, 14, 15, and 16, talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, it's important for you to understand timelines. Everybody say timeline. Okay, so this is Jesus right before He's getting ready to be taken away, being beaten, crucified and nailed to a cross. This is just hours before that. It's important to understand this timeline. He says, "In 16:7, nevertheless I tell you the truth it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away the helper will not come to you, but if I depart I'll send him to you." So this is Jesus with his disciples hours before the cross telling them that help is on the way. Power's coming power is coming. Fast forward to John 20. This is Jesus' timeline appearing to his disciples after his death, burial, and resurrection before he has ascended back to heaven. Okay? It's important to understand the timeline. This is Jesus appearing appearing to them, coming back from the dead, showing up On the evening of the first day of the week, in John 20, verse 19, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now watch this. This is so important. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This was their born-again experience. Because the Bible tells us that we can only be born again by the Spirit. That's so important to know that. And I think it's important to see how the Holy Spirit works as when it comes to our relationship with him first. And I'm going to share from Scripture why we must be born again and born of the Spirit to be born again. But it's important to see how the Holy Spirit works. First, he woos us. Everyone say woo. See, when I saw my wife, I said, wow, because she wooed me. But first, he woos us. He draws us. He's around us. He loves us. He's creating things in our lives. And then the second job of the Holy Spirit is he convicts us of sin and our need for Jesus to save us. Those are the two things that he does. He tenderizes our hearts, Our mind, opens up our minds. He, he's always knocking at our door. He woos us He convicts us of sin and our need for Jesus. And then once we accept Jesus, repent of our sins, turn from our sins, he's then deposited in us. Then he's deposited in us when we get saved. And then the fourth thing is, he lowers the boom on us. Everyone say, boom. Boom. There goes the dynamite. If we ask him, if we let him, if we allow him, but we have to ask him. Who are we asking? We're asking for the Holy Spirit. So what, I, what do I mean by that? Let me break it down by wooing us. First, he draws us closer to Jesus. He's all around us. He's near us. He's working things out in our lives so that we can come to a place where we realize our need for a Savior to forgive us of our sins because we know that to stand, as Steve always preaches, before the great white throne in the book of Revelation and to give an account of our lives, we need an advocate. I always I always, I always have this picture of of, of a crime, of, of, of a crime attorney for someone that's that's on a murder case and a good attorney will will always tell the person don't get up on the stand don't get let me let me take care of it for you and when we get to heaven and when the father says on what marriage should I allow you into my kingdom I'll just point to Jesus ask him ask him he's my advocate he told me to keep quiet at this moment not take the stand Ask him, see if my name is in that book. So that's what happens when we get saved. Our name gets written in heaven's book, never to be erased. And so then he's deposited in us and he lowers the boom on us. Jesus said it this way No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up on that last day. Who's doing the drawing? The Holy Spirit. That's the wooing, that's the drawing. John 16, 8 through 9. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. In other words, he'll put something in me that will will create in me a desire and realize that I need someone to take care of my sin problem. And that's Jesus Christ who loves us, who demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Now, John 3, 5 through 8, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel at what I say to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. Notice how the Holy Spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. So again, when Jesus breathed on them, in John 20, and said, receive the Spirit. That was their conversion. When the Holy Spirit came to dwell and live inside of them. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote, Do you not know in 1 Corinthians that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Romans eight eleven. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you? When you open up the New Testament... Believers were identified as those who had the Holy Spirit or not if you didn't have the Holy Spirit You weren't identified as a believer There's a lot of people who are living on two-thirds spiritual capacity The father and the son because they make the Holy Spirit the third wheel and not the third person Listen, Jesus and the father are in heaven today. The Holy Spirit is the only agent of God We got with us Don't you think it's a good idea to honor him and allow him to have his way in our lives? absolutely. First, he woos us. He convicts us our sin and our need for Jesus. Then he's deposited in us, and then he lowers the boom on us if we let him. Everyone say, boom. Yeah. There goes the dynamite. That's the next work and desire of the Holy Spirit once he takes residence in you. And this is where it gets controversial in the church, and it shouldn't. This is where many believe that when you get saved, so many believe this, that you get all of the Holy Spirit and all of the gifts that you'll ever need at salvation. The problem with that is that scripture paints a different story. And since there's no scripture to back it up, so many revert back to their tradition of what they were taught growing up. They certainly didn't teach it at the church. I got saved that. But I believe the scriptures over the church, over a pastor and over a tradition from the first day I was saved. Listen, I'm not smart enough to believe anything outside or anyone outside this, this book. I'm just not. And when I read this book in its entirety, and I finished reading the book, and the book warned me not to add or delete anything from this, I took that seriously. You know, there comes a time in a person's life that your traditions need to line up with Scripture. And if they don't line up with Scripture, you don't discard Scripture, you discard the tradition. That's where traditions get in the way. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but not everyone's entitled to their own truth. There is only one truth. And now you know why I shared that letter to the church in Galatia, the book of Galatians. That's why the apostle Paul was furious. This is what grieves the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul warned Timothy about. There are people there are people who have an expression. They'll be good. They'll have a form of godliness, but deny the power of God. Have nothing to do with those people, he said. So let's go back and revisit the timeline. We're going to say timeline. Okay? John 20. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to look at the timeline now. Jesus talked to them about the Holy Spirit, comes back from the dead, breathes the Holy Spirit on them. And 40 days later, he tells them to wait for the gift my father has promised, the Holy Spirit. Whoa, but wait, I thought they got the Holy Spirit in John, in John 20. Because he breathed on them, right? Gave them the Holy Spirit, right, right? Don't miss this. This is a command from Jesus. Let's go back to that scripture in the book of Acts. Timeline. Acts 1, 4 through 5, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's talking talking about two baptisms there. John the Baptist, the first one to mention it, book of Matthew 3.11, said this. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John was the first one to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he was a Baptist. Jesus and John are saying there are two kinds of baptisms water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen, here's the best way to explain it. There's a distinctive difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that lives in us and the fullness and overflowing power of the Holy Spirit that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't you want that? One of Steve's greatest desires is to buy me a Lamborghini. (laughs) He does. I know this about him. And it's his greatest desire to give me a Lamborghini. But what good would him giving me and buying me a Lamborghini be without the keys? Do you have the key that turns on the power of the Holy Spirit with you today? Because that's how a lot of Christians live. They've got a Lamborghini living inside of them that's ready to be revved up and ready to go. But they've never turned on the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, you're going to have an opportunity to turn on the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you desire and want that. Listen, there has to be something more. Why do you think revival has broken out? People have been praying there's got to be something more than what this world is offering. There's got to be something more than trusting in who's in the White House and who's not it has got to be something more than what government, what this city, what this world can throw at me. I need more. Listen, if you want to get close to God, you got to learn how to run errands for the Holy Spirit. And let me say this. We had a prophetic word in the first service, and that word was something I left out of my talk that I forgot to talk about. And here's the thing about the Holy Spirit and the baptism and being filled with the Holy Spirit. God's not interested in making you comfortable. God could care less how comfortable. Oh, I'm so comfortable. Look, I charge. I just love it. The seats are comfy and people are nice. Listen, before God ever does something great and miraculous in your life, He's going to ask you to do something uncomfortable. That's what Christianity is all about doing something uncomfortable. Listen, did I understand and know all these scriptures when the Holy Spirit came upon me and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit? No, I didn't know the scriptures that well. I just said, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do just as long as I know it's you. It wasn't a hard decision to come to a place in my life where my belief system simply said this, God, if you got more, for me, I want it. If you got more of the Holy Spirit than what I received when I got saved and baptized in water, I want it. God, if you have gifts for me, I want it. If you've got more power for me, resurrection power for me, I want it. Listen, I never asked for the gift of tongues and praying in the Spirit, but God gave it to me, which, by the way, is the last weapon we are instructed to use after we put on the full armor of God. Did you know that? Ephesians 6, 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. And request and with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. Let me ask you do you need victory in your life? Do you need victory over sin, your past, your pain, your addictions, your problems? You need victory in your marriage, your giants, the voices that you hear, the fear over your flesh, over your thoughts? You know what I say? So I say, live by the Spirit. I say, receive. Boom, there goes the dynamite. And listen, this is why crushed and brokenhearted people stay crushed and brokenhearted without hope. Their pain and despair convince them that God has forsaken them and they have given in to oppressing voices that tells them to keep their distance from God, especially the Holy Spirit where hope can be found. All of our pain all of our distress, all of our issues typically come from our resistance to everything that God wants to do in our lives. There's a devil that steals, kills, and destroys, but there's a savior that has come to give you life, to love, forgive, and bless, and give you life abundantly. And the way he wants to do that is through his Holy Spirit. By giving you power you don't have for yourself. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. I want to share a, a story of more. I want to share the scripture with you first. Psalm 34:18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those that are crushed in spirit. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when I got called to ministry, I knew that God had called me to full-time ministry, but it was several years of just saying, Okay, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do just as long as I know it's you. And to this day in ministry... I've never applied or never asked to do anything in ministry. I've just had people prophesy over my life. I've had people speak things over my life. And I've seen so many of those prophecies and things spoken in my life come to pass. One of my favorite scriptures is Isaiah 42.9. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. I love that passage. God has things to announce to you. I remember a dear friend of mine, David Jeffries good friend of mine. He said, Bill, I want to have lunch with you one day. And uh, let's see. I had lunch. It was on a Tuesday. I'll never forget this. He said this. He said, Bill, he said, how many hours are you putting in at your job? I said, about a week. I said, about, I don't know, 50, 60 hours. He said, how many hours are you putting in for the Lord? I said, I don't know, 50, 60 hours. He put his head down and he prayed. He got up from that prayer and he looked at me with a confidence that I've never forgotten. And he said, Bill Reeser, I just pray that God will do more with you doing less. He says, you may not realize this, but God wants to do more in your life with you doing less. And I'm going to pray the prayer of more over your life. And after he prayed that prayer, he, uh, he said this, in seven days, you're going to get a call to leave the workplace and go into full-time ministry in seven days. I said, I'll take that prayer because I knew, I, I knew that he heard from God. I just knew it. Two days later, I, I had a speaking engagement at Western Kentucky University I went to Eastern Uh, and I had to speak to about 300 or so I don't know how many exactly maybe 400 students that night at Western Kentucky University and I remember getting up there to share my testimony and even before I can get a word out as soon as the first word came out that said hi my name is Bill Reeser. We're not even saying something significant. The Holy Spirit dropped down in that room and every student was on the floor crying and weeping and repenting. They were wailing. You could hear the screams but they weren't screams of despair. They were screams of joy of surrendering their life to Jesus just because the anointing of God was in that room and i quickly realized that god was doing more all i had to do was show up i started speaking around 8:30 i didn't get out of that place till 12:30 in the morning 4 hours seemed like 4 minutes that's the story that we've been hearing in asbury I went in there six hours, but it felt like 15 minutes just soaking up the presence of God. I couldn't leave that room until every student either gave their lives to Jesus or forgave someone who raped them or assaulted them or somebody they needed to forgive and they closed their accounts. I saw strongholds being pulled down and God was glorified. For a four-hour window, I saw revival break out. And I've been waiting for this day. What's happening at Wilmore. That we get the overflow. To happen in our generation. I drove, I called Carolyn on the drive home. I said, God did it. I didn't have to do a single thing because God did more. Well, about nine o'clock on the seventh day that Tuesday, a friend of mine took over a church in Colorado and said Bill I want you to be the first pastor I hire for this church I'm taking over will you, fl- will you leave Kentucky and come to Colorado on the seventh day is God good or what can God do more alright so here's how we're going to close I'm going to tell you how you can get the baptism of the Holy Spirit how you can get the power the gifts and the fullness of God through the Holy Spirit. You ready? You ask. You just ask. But you ask with faith. You ask with an expectancy. And you receive something more than what you're asking for. It's really that simple. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts records the words of Jesus in one of the most profound prayers and how to pray, rather, in all of Scripture. Because I was taught never to pray for the Holy Spirit. But when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I knew that I can ask for the Holy Spirit. And it's sad because most Christians have never been taught that they can pray for the Holy Spirit. Been taught that you can pray to the Father and to Jesus. But these are the words of Jesus. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to get good gifts to your children how much more, everyone say more, will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This is a breakthrough moment for some of you. This is a breakthrough moment, life-changing, life-altering, chain-breaking, resurrection from the dead moment for many of you today. So I'm going to ask all of our intercessors and prayer team to come forward. If you want more, just like me, that's all I was asking for when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I just wanted more of God. I didn't know all these scriptures. If you just want more of God, if you need a refill, I don't know about you, but my tank gets pretty low. If you need more you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're going to create space. And I'm going to ask you to come forward. If you want to give your life to Jesus, they'll pray a prayer over you and lead you to Jesus and then pray a prayer for you to receive, not just the Holy Spirit to be deposited in you, but for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to close with this prayer. Whatever you need today, salvation, The baptism of the Holy Spirit or refill of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray this prayer over you. It's the prayer that we started. It's the prayer of more. Everyone stand up please if you're able. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray then all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Whatever you need from God, come forward. Receive the blessing. Receive the power. Receive the gifts. Receive the fullness of God. And don't walk out of here empty. Come forward now.
1: Or worship from the scripture, and today I wanted to share the word todah, which means its original word, where it originated is the word hand, and if you say todah now in Hebrew, it means thank you, and so that's where we get raising our hands, and actually when we are raising our hands in worship, it's very biblical, and we're saying thank you. And um, when it when they translate "toda" in the word, it actually translates to praise. So we're just going to lift our hands and worship as people come up for prayer.
0: the Lord is there is freedom where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom amen there's a sweet sweet presence of God here I didn't just say we got the overflow we really got the overflow there really is presence of the Lord is in this house